This morning we're going to uh, take a look at prayer uh, again. Um, don't worry, I won't repeat the last message. Uh, it's continuing on. Um, some pretty exciting stuff going on. And uh, the, the, oops, there's some uh, very interesting ways people perceive prayer. Um, do you know how you say, I'll be praying for you? But then you forgot, so you do this. Oh, great, here comes Bob. I told him I'd pray for him. Dear God, help Bob, amen. Hey, Bob, been praying for you. <laughs> Nobody here ever does that. And then we have this. The New Testament on cassette helped some, but ever since I got this prayer on tape series, my devotional life has really taken off. Yep. <coughs> Different ways. Hey, if you guys would get off your knees long enough, I could teach you something about church growth. Interesting. And then, oh good, you're not busy. And then lastly, we don't know what you're doing in here, but we've been waiting five minutes to talk to you about the broken hand dryer in the ladies' room. Yep. And of course, this is how many people have perceived prayer, for real. Okay, that's three minutes and 24 seconds, only 27 minutes to go. Doing your time card with God, your time stamp. I grew up with this. I grew up with that mentality that you've got to put your time in. And uh, even, even the Christian radio station that I listen to, uh, they have these ridiculous little digs uh, to make you feel really good, saying, have you prayed today? If not, why not? How can you after God did all this? And all the guilt tripping of having to pray. If you tell people they have to, you've put a new law on them, a new guilt trip. You show them what prayer does and the benefit of it and let the Holy Spirit initiate the prayer then it becomes real, active, and alive, and they want to. And it's not going to happen in only one format. It can happen in many formats. Jesus said, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Well, actually, no. And yes. And no. That Matthew 6 portion, I don't know if you realize this, the, the part that says, for thine is the kingdom, the power of the glory, is not in the original manuscripts. They cannot be found in the earliest copies anywhere. Tradition has it that a, a director of worship put that into the translation, which is a beautiful ending. There's nothing wrong with it. But... It's not really there. So sometimes when I'm doing a funeral and the family asks for the Catholic version, they don't have the for thine is the kingdom in theirs. They stop right at the evil part. Anyway, that's, uh, we'll leave that one alone. Here is a beautiful picture. A picture of hungry guys, hungry for spiritual things, asking Jesus, how do we pray? Why would they bother asking him? Because they have seen him pray. They have watched somebody model the importance of prayer. That's the best teacher you can have, is somebody modeling things for you. Uh, truth is caught, not so much taught. And here, they saw a pattern of behavior that they recognized was critically important to Jesus. And so they asked, how then do we pray? Keep in mind, there's something powerful going on here. There is a covenant that Jesus is in. Do you remember that Jesus said, I came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it? Okay? That was one of his purposes of being alive on earth, was to fulfill the law. 
That's a bit strange if you think about it, but not at all. Nobody in history had been able to do it until this point. Jesus was the only person who could perfectly fulfill the law. And yet, the Jewish system tried to fulfill it over and over and over again. And when they fell short, they tried to find back doors on how to fulfill the law by creating more rules that they think they could keep. They tried to take the level of impossibility of becoming righteous. They took that and pulled it down to a, within reach by doing certain things. And Jesus said, nah, uh, uh, uh. That's why when he was saying, you say, you know, this, but I say, and he takes whatever little rule they had and makes it back up to impossible. He puts all the sliders of all these little categories back up to absolutely impossible. And then he himself fulfills it. He is speaking in the old covenant here. He is speaking into the system that is in place right then and there. Technically, I wouldn't call this the Lord's Prayer. That was some person who wrote it in as an editorial note. The title of the Lord's Prayer is not in the Bible. It doesn't exist. There's another prayer I call the Lord's Prayer in the garden. That's his prayer. You've got to go read it. It's really, really powerful. But here, he's still giving them a picture of how to pray. There's a lot of great value. Just because it's Old Covenant doesn't mean you can't learn something from it. But here's some evidence to know that this is written as an Old Covenant text. The very next line, after the prayer of, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever, amen. What's the next line? Anybody remember the essence of it? If you don't, what? Forgive, then your heavenly Father will not forgive you. How does that fit into grace? That's pretty blunt, isn't it? It is. Well, at that point, the cross had not happened yet. That's called condition. Now, that conditional, if you do this, then this will happen. If you don't do this, this will happen. That is clearly old covenant. Do good, get blessed. Do bad, get cursed. Same system. So he, knows, he knew what he was talking about. He was fulfilling the law, not taking away from it, but fulfilling it, showing how impossible it was. And when the cross came, he forgave all. And because we are forgiven, we are to forgive. Not in order to get our own sins forgiven, because otherwise you could take that and go, oh, if I don't forgive so-and-so, I won't be forgiven. So your motive is not closeness or uh, uh, um, intimacy with God, but it's to stay clean and right, and it's all self, 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 self. Your attention is not to be on self, it's to be on him. We can learn much. Prayer. A lot of hunger there. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the very first day until now. Philippians 1, 4, 5. Paul had supporters. They believed the message of grace that he was teaching. And the spirit within them, which is the spirit of Christ in union with them, the, the, the two becoming one, had a heartbeat of desire. And that desire was to see this message continue spreading. And so they did two things. They prayed for Paul and they gave to Paul financially. They did not hold back. They didn't think, ooh, what do I get out of this? Do I get an income tax receipt? 
They didn't think like that. Their heart was for, this is life-changing good news. We've got to get this out. And Paul has been given a role to be an ambassador of truth. And so he was supported. I think in the same way, if you are enjoying good news, support it by praying for us as a church for this message. Pray for me as your pastor. And give. Don't be a cheapo. Jesus isn't. So quit acting like it. There are some who've come here and they can't give financially. They just cannot. But there are people who can have plenty of coffees and tip their waitress or waiter far more than they ever give to the local church. It's not a guilt trip. That's a truth trip. Think about kingdom-mindedness, not self-mindedness. Support what you're passionate about. Show me your bank account and I'll show you what you're passionate about. Very serious. Paul understood this, but it was with prayer it began. It began with prayer. Here we go. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Present them. There's an encouragement to bring your requests. How do I pray? That's how my journey of prayer began a long, long time ago. I was frustrated I wasn't getting through to God. Because I thought he was distant. I thought, okay, there's got to be a way. So I picked up R.A. Torrey's book, How to Pray. I thought, that's probably a good book on how to pray. It actually was. <laughs> Powerful book. Old, old writer. Some of these old guys, Andrew Murray and R.A. Torrey, some of these guys, they understood something about the intimacy with God that we don't have a clue about today. It's worth reading some of these people. But for me, my motive was, I feel that I'm distant from God. That's what I believed. Therefore, I need to do something to get closer. So that's, again, self-performance. That's all it was. My motive was great. My method sucked. It was, it was, but I didn't know any better, so it's okay. Really. We don't judge each other after the flesh anymore. We judge each other after the spirit of who lives in you. Powerful picture. All right. The crux of today. Ephesians 6, 10 to 20. Let's take a look. A final word. Be strong with the Lord's mighty power. All right, pause there. Some translations will say, be strong in the might of the Lord or in the power of God. It does not say, you need to get stronger. <laughs> Right? It does not say that. And there's no implication in the entire scripture that says you have got to get stronger and then you'll be able to overcome. There is no such thing as self-strength. There is God's strength and the power of his might for it already lives in you. Now start drawing from that strength. This whole blog thing is about that. It's about recognizing the strength that is already there being conscious daily, moment by moment. Be strong with the Lord's mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies and tricks of the devil. Oh boy, how, how many times have we been duped? 
How many times have we been standing and, uh, Elton, come on for a second. I want you to um, kind of stand here and uh, kind of give me a shove. Okay, I'm going to be on one foot. Just try and push me over. Okay. That was really hard, and you felt, that felt good, didn't it? All right. Same thing. Do it again. Okay. Thank you. The first time, I was not standing firm. And an idea came along, a wind, a strength, boom, Eldon pushing me, and I couldn't keep my ground. It was, it, was, it was a good push, but I was not standing solid enough to not be swayed. I think this is a huge problem in the church. Too easily pushed over by desires and, and inklings that come your way. Listening to the passions of the flesh, which is not your passions, the real you giving in to stuff. And we're so easily, pushed, so easily pushed over. Stand firm. But how do we stand firm then, rooted, grounded, so that we can't be easily pushed over by the tricks that are there? They exist. Don't think for a minute it's a, the, the Christian life is a bed of roses and you're tossing daisies and, and la, la, la. It looks weird anyway. But anyway, it, it's not like that. It's, it's a hard, hard road. Wait a minute. Life is hard. Oh my goodness. Imagine that. The benefit of knowing and believing in Christ is you will recognize the power of who lives in you to walk with you and give you wisdom as you are going through all the trials that you will face. Knowing Christ does not give you the avoidance of trouble. It's warning you ahead of time. It's coming. Be prepared. Stand firm. Be ready. For we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against the evil rulers and the authorities of the unseen world. <gasps> against those mighty powers of darkness who rule this world and against wicked spirits in the heavenly realms. There's a battle going on. It's a spiritual battle. Is somebody really mad at you? Or are you really mad at someone else for something they did? Is there a pattern of behavior you're really sick of and it's just driving you nuts about somebody? It's not the flesh and blood person. It's a spiritual thing going on. Most often, it's something they're believing and acting out of their belief. Most often. Don't judge the book from its by its cover. Don't judge the behaviors of people and think that's what they're really like. There are people that are acting in ways that are completely inconsistent with their nature, their nature in Christ, but they're screaming for help. They just don't know it. And what they need is not someone to react in the same way back, but to respond with love and prayer. That's a whole different sermon, this, this section. I'm, I'm, I have a reason for this section. Use every piece of God's armor to resist the enemy in the time of evil so that after the battle, you'll still be standing firm. You're solid. So if you get into a sword fight, you're, you're locked in. You're, you have footing that will keep you from falling over. There are people who stand as honor guards at funerals or at ceremonies. And uh, one thing they don't do if you can see my feet, they don't, most do not stand just like this side by side. What they do is they put one foot like this and the other foot's cocked like this. So they don't, like it's a this and this. 
just, just so that they can handle the imbalances. Otherwise, you're gonna, you could sway and tip, you know, but this gives you every direction. You've got all four areas covered. And this is the solid stance for standing still. After the battle, are you standing firm? Have you had a battle where you haven't stood firm? Yep. It's okay. There are many more battles to come. This is how you learn. You learn from the battles. Next. Stand your ground, putting on the sturdy belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news. Ooh, that's powerful. You just think about that one. That's a whole sermon right there. So that you'll be fully prepared. In every battle, you will need faith as your shield to stop the fiery arrows aimed at you by Satan. Put on salvation as your helmet. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray at sometimes. Oh, pray at all times and on some occasions. Nope, it says every occasion. Where? In the power of the Holy Spirit. You may ask, well, why do I have to pray? You don't have to pray. But Paul's calling us, hey, look, pray always, constantly, on all occasions, for everyone. Be persistent, stay alert, and be persistent in your prayers for all Christians everywhere. Do you pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ? Just think about that. Maybe you don't. That's fine. But maybe the Holy Spirit's going to bring to your attention, wait a minute. This is my desire right here. I am showing you from my word what my desire is for you. That you do pray for your brothers and sisters. That's the will of your Father, will of Jesus. The armor. I used to um, you know, kind of talk about each piece and what it means. and I found a summary of what I believe the armor of God is. Every single piece is wrapped up in one sentence. Know your identity in Christ. Know who you are in Christ. That's all this is. Know that you're righteous. Know that you have salvation. Know that you're, you have the peace of Christ in you. And when you understand the good news, you have peace. That peace gives you patience and gentleness for all. But what is the good news? It's better than what I was taught. And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words as I boldly explain God's secret plan that the good news is for the Gentiles too. I am in chains now for preaching this message as God's ambassador, but pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Paul's asking for prayer. He's dead now. Doesn't mean we pray for him. But there's something here to be learned to pray for those that are teaching the good news. Pray for them. They're getting nailed more than anybody else because they're the biggest threat. Pray. Love on them. Encourage them. There are many teachers who teach a powerful gospel. The gospel of grace. Encourage them. Persistent praying. It says be persistent. Be alert in your prayers. Let's take a look at this for a minute. Okay, a little longer than a minute, but anyway. Persistent praying. Here's what it does. It focuses my attention when you're persistent. How? Let's take a look. Matthew 6.6 6 says in the message, here's what I want you to do. 
find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. I'm not making this up. Go to a quiet place. There is value in finding a quiet, solitude place. My father used to come home at 5 a.m. from his uh, graveyard shift at Sears. He was the maintenance and security guy in Kitchener for many years, 30 years, long, long time. And uh, he used to come home and he had his Bible out and he uh, had lists and lists and lists of prayer things and, and you name it. And uh, every morning, he sometimes would be there for maybe an hour, hour and a half sometimes and then make us breakfast and stuff. Once in a while, I would get up early and I, I saw him. That is an image I will never forget. One time, I started to bug him and say, Dad, I got this. He goes, ah, I am speaking with the Lord right now. My time with him. This is very important. Ask me later. And whoa. And I never bugged him again, <laughs> you know. But that was something modeled. It was a quiet place. He got four kids in the house. Where the heck are you going to find a quiet place? And he did. He found his time for it. Our lives are chaotic. Finding a quiet place is hard. But let me encourage you to try that. Find a quiet place. Even if it's just your car, turn off the radio and quietly think who lives in you and begin to listen. So that, I like this part, so you will begin to sense his grace. And when you sense his grace, that will be reciprocal. He'll pour even more and more on you. At least you'll, you'll, you'll sense it. And that's going to make you want to spend more time with him. However, even if it's not dedicated kneeling, praying time, I'm not talking about that. It could be as you are going from between store to store, place to place, the, the continual conversation that can happen, praying at all times. It's a powerful image. Romans 8, 7. Those who trust God's action in them find that God's spirit is in them living and breathing God. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out into the open, into a spacious, free life. Focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God, ends up thinking more about self than God. The beauty of quiet, contemplative prayer is there's nobody watching you, no one to impress. You don't have to do your fancy public praying thing. I remember uh, the church I grew up in, uh, they had a prayer time in the service and certain people would get up and, and when a certain person got up, you think, oh, it's going to be a long one. Because yeah. <laughs> they, they love to hear themselves speak and big long prayers of funny language and couldn't understand a single word because it was too spiritual for me. But that's the image I got. And that, you can find that in many churches. Those who like the public recognition. Is there value to it? Absolutely. But this is far greater. Far greater. Next. Persistent praying clarifies my request. What if you don't even know what your quest is? Hmm, let's see. Romans 8.26. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting... 
God's Spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us. See that? I love that. In and for us. Making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves. Knows our pregnant condition and keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. God works all things together for good. This is good news. This is why we pray. And if you're at a place where you can't, in fact, you don't feel like it, it's in that feeling of, I don't feel like it, that God's praying for you. He's taking that, I don't feel like it, grunt, groan, whatever you want to call it, the anger, the, the emotion, and that is being interpreted from your spirit to the spirit of God. Your body can't figure out your emotions, but the Holy Spirit can. And he is praying. Funny thing is, when we do ask somebody to pray for us, or somebody asks me to pray for them, I already know that if the Holy Spirit wants my words to say it, I'll say it. But the Spirit of Christ in me is already praying for them. So I can say yes. It's beautiful. Elden prayers. For that person, you got them. For that thing, you got it. Simple prayers. Persistent praying tests my faith. Fire tests the purity of silver and gold, but the Lord tests the heart. And it's not a fail, pass test. It's a seeing you develop more fully into the person you already are. The condition. Take a look at the, how gold is made. It has to be purified. All the crud, all the stuff that's not gold has to be boiled out of it and skimmed off the top and skimmed and skimmed. It's boiled and boiled. Fire is a refining gift. You may feel that the fire of pain is on you, but God is a consuming fire. And his fire, I think, is love. It's a powerful picture. Next. James 1 Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you will become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. How many times have you seen somebody lose their stack and you go, ha, your true colors Right? Hands up. Have you ever done that? It's not true. It's a lie. That's not their true colors. That is flesh. And you recognize it because you have flesh too. Takes one to know one. Right? <laughs> Just kidding. It's true. It is true. Just think. Just because a person loses their mind and loses their temper, it reveals the place of how they're functioning. That's it. It does not necessarily say anything about their identity. And being angry and losing your temper, well, 
We're not really supposed to lose our temper, but there's nothing wrong with getting angry. We can get angry, but don't sin in it. Anger's not wrong. It's an emotion. Just don't sin when you're angry. Hence the pattern. So we learned how to let Christ live out of our lives so when those times come, more and more and more, when those emotions start to ramp up, we learn to depend on the peace of Christ in us. How do we do this? I believe through prayer. As he draws us into himself. Persistent praying prepares my heart. Ephesians 3.20 Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us. It's already at work within you. If you're in doubt, please be reminded today Christ is at work in you right now. He is not absent. He is not absent. Somebody posted on Facebook recently that, you know, if we're discontent or unsatisfied, that that separates God from us. I'm going to respond to that. Why? I ended up, anyway. Two things. You can't be separated from him. It's an impossibility. Secondly, holy discontent is a godly thing. Sometimes he allows discontent into our lives to draw us and direct us to where we would not normally go. I know the intent of the comment. It had to do with not being happy with what you have. That was the truth, the intent of it. It was just worded funny. But nevertheless, Christ is at work in you. He's the one giving you the desires in the first place. Let's read this again. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Do you have a good list? Do you have a great imagination? You can think a lot, can't you? You can come up, oh, this would be cool. Well, he can blow that out of the water, come up with stuff you, haven't, you can't even conceive and dream of. That's how big and wonderful he is. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Wait patiently. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Psalm 37. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Today's blog is on be still and know. I didn't write it. Red Shoot did. And it's really good. This is the easiest blog oh, in the last 14 days because it's copy and paste. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. How many times do we try to run ahead and help God out? But, 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 but I'm going to lose the opportunity. Really? Wait expectantly. This is a good one. This one's hard because many of us will think if I ask God, you know, I really don't deserve it. He doesn't fully like me and my patterns don't reflect who I really am and he's probably disappointed in me. I'll pray it anyway, but it's the butt we got to get rid of. Kick it in the butt. Wait expectantly. Live a happy life. Keep your eyes open for God. Watch for his works. Be alert for signs of his presence. Ooh, I'm going to blog that. Remember, the world 
of wonders he has made, his miracles and the verdicts he's rendered. Okay, this alone, I'll write about it this week. This, this is a powerful, powerful psalm. I didn't see it until this morning. I went and looked at the whole thing. Went, oh, this is a good one. You want something to meditate on, think on, and pray through? Oh, this is amazing. Be, live a happy life. Keep your eyes open for God. Watch for his works. Be alert for signs of his presence. Why? Because his presence is there. Look for it. Stand firm. Isaiah 49, 23 says, The Lord says, No one who waits for my help will be disappointed. Wow. And in the message it says, No one who hopes in me ever regrets it. Who fuels the hope to hope in him? He does. Who gives you the desire to wait on the Lord? He does. So he will not disappoint. It's an impossibility. This week, let me encourage you to find a quiet place. Just spend a couple minutes with your Heavenly Father. Even if you're just quiet, not saying a word, saying, Father, show me who you are to me. Watch him draw you out into a greater awareness of his presence in you. It's his gift to you. We don't pray because we have to. It's because we get to. It's a privilege. It's a gift to us for our benefit. Even the things we pray for are little lists or we pray for something to happen and uh, whatever it is, I'm coming to see that prayer like that is a way for God to include us in the answer. Our prayer itself, I don't think, has the power, the words. I really don't think so. I think it's the Holy Spirit all along. And it's for our enjoyment. It may look like we're praying for somebody and something happens. We go, ooh, the answer to prayer. Of course the answer to prayer. Who do you think did it? <laughs> it was the Holy Spirit who did it. So if you sense him calling someone to your mind to pray for them, that's him. He'll answer that prayer one way or another powerful. So I invite you to join me on the journey of slowing down and recognizing his life in you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this week, please draw us each into a greater awareness of your life in us. Draw us into a greater awareness that you are at work in us right now. Teach us how to respond to that. Be our response, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.